Welcome to Catholic Views. I'm your host, Renee Kranz. On today's show, we get a double dose of Dr. Chris Burke. Double dose of Dr. B. <laughs> double dose of Dr. B. Uh, he is on for our interview today along with Casey Bassett talking about St. Thomas Aquinas uh, because it is his feast day on January 28th. So you may have just celebrated it, about to celebrate it, or celebrated it like six months ago. Right. Depending. Hard to say. Could be. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, we have a really good conversation, so I hope you'll stick around for that. One thing I want to quick remind everybody of before we let Bergwald get to his Biblical Bites with Dr. B. Um, if you haven't purchased tickets for the Gift of Hope uh, coming up here on February 11th, uh, that is the um, big fundraiser for the Lord Center. So you can go to ccfesd.org to get tickets for that concert. So it should be fun. Uh, ben Fuller is the talent we talked about him a little bit last week i <laughs> yeah, think yeah, yeah yeah all right that'd be a great show yes good show good, good show, show. <laughs> dr burkwald please i already i said it earlier oh okay well, i'm just waiting for <laughs> well, there, there are certain things folks that we just like elise and i wait for for renee to say certain things just uh if you always the way that we end biblical bites is almost always the same <laughs> So and when it's not, it's that. terrible. So uh, that's why we keep it the same. If you know what I'm talking about, email me. Find my email. Email discipleship at esprecatholic.org. Uh, first person will get a prize if you know. Wow. I'm going to offer a prize. Ooh. I don't know about communications, but I'm going to offer a prize. To this our, is your deal. Um, so we talked the last couple of weeks in Big Bites about First Corinthians, mm-hmm. uh, Corinthians in general. Uh, what I want to do, uh, again, what, what Sunday is it, Renee? Uh, fourth Sunday in ordinary time. Fifth Sunday in ordinary time. I actually don't know. <laughs> She's just you were right the first. It was time, fourth. That's fourth what I Sunday. thought. But, Elise but is Elise messing is with me over going here. Over here like this. <laughs> uh, it is the fourth Sunday in ordinary time. Um, so we're, we're beyond the baptism, right? Um, and we're again the the cycle. We're in year A for the Sunday readings. That that means that gospels are almost all, not always, but almost always from Matthew. The gospel readings almost always from Matthew. So we get in the gospel this Sunday, um, the Beatitudes. Oh, okay. This, the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus goes up in the mountain, just as Moses went up. So he's kind of himself as the new Moses, mm-hmm. who's giving the, the law of the new covenant, uh, the Beatitudes. Uh, and again, as you and I have talked many times, there's always a thematic connection between the gospel and then the first reading of the psalm. Okay. Uh, and what I want to focus on actually for today is the first reading uh, because it's a reading from the book of the prophet Zephaniah. Renee, Ooh. tell me everything that you know about uh, the amazing prophet Zephaniah. Well, he's talked about in the Old Testament. Yes. Well, yeah. Actually, <laughs> right. And <laughs> that, that pretty is much all I know. would summarize what most people know about the book. So Zeph- because Ze- Zephaniah is one of the 12 quote unquote minor prophets. Okay. Um, very minor, apparently. Very <laughs> minor. Well, th- there's not a lot. I mean, sure. the, the 12 minor prophets, their their books are more like the, a reading the from the pages of, uh, they're, they're not very long, like mm-hmm. uh, Isaiah, or Jeremiah, right. and so on. Um, as well as some other distinctions, but that, that is one, I mean, one one notable one. So just a little bit about Zephaniah. So Zephaniah, one of the uh, unique things about Zephaniah among, I think, all of the the uh, the prophetic writings in the Old Testament, he was of the house of David. 
Okay. One of his ancestors was King Hezekiah, who was one of the good kings, mm-hmm. descendants of David. Mm-hmm. One of the few good kings right. uh, for the quote unquote southern kingdom. Um, so most of the prophets were not of the house of David. So that was just interesting. But he he did his uh, prophetic ministry in the southern kingdom. So just as a quick, well, mm-hmm. refresher for those who know that this is where we need exactly. Map. At we least, need a map. Where's the map that drops down? <laughs> like our, our secret lair, like bat cave map. Um, is Israel kind of is is skinny mm-hmm. and tall, so mm-hmm. to speak, right? And um, after David, there was Solomon, and because of Solomon's sins, after Solomon died, the 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 northern half of uh, there's a civil war, and mm-hmm. so you get the north and the south. Mm-hmm. Uh, why is it always the north against the south? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. <laughs> um, so the north and the south, and Zephaniah does his thing in the in the south, and he's trying to call the people to repentance. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't. Stick, but there's a reminder there that the Lord will be faithful and he will restore his people in the end through Jesus. Good stuff. Thanks, Dr. B. You bet. In the studio with me today, I have two lovely gentlemen, Dr. Chris Bergwald, who everybody knows. If you don't, if you don't know who Burwald is at this point, I well, by, they, I don't just, even, We just finished biblical bites with Doctor. Right, Reese, so of so course yeah, he's back. Yeah, he yeah, he slipped yeah, back in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> Changed my clothes real quick. And, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we also have uh, Casey Bassett Hello. here today from the communications office. So, Doctor. Burwald, of course, is the um, director of discipleship formation for the diocese and a theologian. Uh, and Casey is our uh, marketing strategist and the managing editor of the Bishop's Bulletin. Um, does all TV mass stuff and yeah. all kinds of good yeah. stuff. So, <laughs> if you well, haven't, uh, can't air it now. They'll have my name. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, the the Catholic Views Christmas online only, uh, exclusively online Christmas special. Oh the, yes, you can definitely you see. Can get some of Casey's <laughs> yeah, yes yeah, personality and exactly. stuff in there. So today I brought these two guys in today because I wanted to talk about St. Thomas Aquinas. It is it is his feast day. What was that? January 28th. Eight. So depending on when you're listening to this tomorrow or yesterday. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or, or maybe that day. Or maybe a while ago. <laughs> yes, now, exactly. So it is his feast day. One thing that's interesting is that is not the day the date he died. Oh, that's right. So we can talk about that later. But I wanted to talk about St. Thomas Aquinas because he is extremely influential on the church and in particular influential on Casey in his life. So that's why Casey is in here. Bergwald will give us some good, uh, um, I don't know, basics, foundational stuff about Aquinas. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay, so let's start. Um, Chris, will you kind of tell us about... Uh, Aquinas's life, yep. Um, especially who influenced him, because I think that's kind of maybe keys to some of this. So uh, Saint Thomas, um, uh, San, San, Tommaso d'Aquino. Um, so I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. Actually, now this is something. Ooh, I have to check this. I'm pretty sure it was his birth name. Um, so Tommaso. So he's Italian, right? Southern Italian, um, and his Sicilian. Uh, right. Yep. So his. Um, his family, he was, they were sort of nobility, mm-hmm. uh, Italian nobility. Uh, so he was sort of being groomed to potentially, as, as he, the fact that he was intelligent was pretty clear as a, as a boy right. when he was young. 
so the thought on his family's part, his dad's part, was uh, that he'll become the abbot of Monte Cassino, right. which was was and is a very important, influential uh, Benedictine right. uh, abbey. Right. So the, and so a, a place of prestige and so on, which would be fitting for the noble status right. he, of the family. And he was the youngest of several brothers, several, and all the other several. brothers went to yep. the military. Yep. Uh, yep. And he yep. Uh, at least one sister. Yeah. Yep. At least one or two. Yeah. So uh, he's going that way, but. But Thomas um, become he 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 encounters the Dominicans mm-hmm. who were a fairly young like only order-ish. thirty years at the time I think at that yeah. point. Um, so Saint Dominic, the founder of the Dominicans, Saint Dominic, yeah, this was a new order. And the way that the, the Dominicans, like the Franciscans, who were also new, new, so you had these two new mendicant orders in the church, a new way of living religious life. So most for, for, for most of the church history at this point, so again, this is the... Um, 1200s. 1200s, yeah. yep. Uh, yeah. Thomas born in 1225. Mm-hmm. Um, so most of the church's history at this point, religious orders were, were monks who lived in stable communities, like, okay. like Monte Cassino, an, an abbey or right. a monastery. And that's where you lived mm-hmm. uh, and you did your work and your prayer and your study or whatever uh, all your life. And you l- So you didn't go out other places Correct. among people. Okay. Along come the Franciscans and Dominicans, and they do go. They, they live in community, but uh, not necessarily always literally in the same, well, usually not in the same place right. their whole life. You would travel around, and they were beggars. Oh, okay. Uh, they were, they, they the begged. Franciscans, I think I knew that about that. I yeah, didn't but know Dominicans that about Dominicans, too. They, okay. they, they didn't own anything of their own, okay. so they relied on others to, uh, to, to provide for their basic needs. Okay. So Thomas encounters the Dominicans uh, and is really taken with them mm-hmm. and he decides he wants to become a Dominican mm-hmm. and so his family like oh no 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 okay this is taking really long uh, he, okay. he's got a fascinating life <laughs> um, well but actually this part's kind of fascinating because his family didn't like it so much that they, they actually him. held him prisoner for they, a couple in, of years in, in, in the tower of <laughs> yes. one of the, of the family castles yes. and and we, now there are some like was this literally the case it seems at least likely we, mm-hmm. it seems likely that uh, they even tried to seduce him with a prostitute <laughs> Yeah, and then there's this. So there's this chastity belt. Belt. Yeah, girdle that, of chastity. That's yeah, what it was. Yeah, that that supposedly an angel gave. Yeah. Him. That, that's where like was that was that like literally a vision kind of thing, or was it more of like a, a grace the Lord gave him right. a resolve to to live uh, a chaste life right. the rest of his life. So and, and then you have the family like okay fine. So he becomes a Dominican friar. Uh, and he's ordained a priest, mm-hmm. and he spends a lot of his life in Germany, in Cologne, Germany, Paris, mm-hmm. France as well, and also partly in Italy. So moving around, and 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 he became a great teacher. Um, most people, and we'll talk about probably some of his, his most famous work is the Summa Theologiae, right. sometimes called the Summa Theologica. But the Summa Theologiae uh, is, is, is a massive work of theology, um, which is very precise and uses a lot of philosophy and so on. But what most people don't realize is that what Thomas did, his day job was a professor basically of scripture. Right. So Thomas would do, Thomas did in, in teaching and in writing a ton of scripture commentary, a ton of, ex- 
exegesis, like mm-hmm. unpacking, interpreting scripture. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't just some people have um, derided the the medieval period logic chopping. Oh, right. Um, and so there was some of that, especially later the late medieval period. But Thomas himself, and during his time, um, there was a recognition of the the centrality of sacred scripture mm-hmm. in the life, not just of the church, but of theology as well. So Thomas was a master of the sacred page. Right. So he would teach on scripture mm-hmm. from day to day. So um, a brilliant man, but also a holy man. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the stories that's told is one of his assistants, one of the other friars who who worked with him, uh, one time uh, happened upon St. Thomas saying mass. And while he was saying mass, he was levitating. Oh, wow. He was literally feet off the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, not aware of it, as right. far as we can tell, right. um, in an ecstatic uh, levitation um, of holiness. That seems crazy right now. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Thomas, so the th- St. Thomas Aquinas, uh, and near the end of his life, um, had this, had this uh, experience with God. Um, two things, actually. Uh, uh, Jesus um, apparently said to him, Thomas, you've written well of me. What do you desire? And Thomas's response, only you, Lord. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, after having this powerful encounter with Jesus Christ, and again, he knew Jesus his whole life. He had a relationship with him through prayer, through the liturgy. So this wasn't like, oh, I just met Jesus for the first time. Not at all. But it was such a deep and profound encounter that he he everything that he'd written uh, felt like straw. Right. It was as if it was straw. Not that it wasn't any good, mm-hmm. but just in comparison to the experience that he had had of the Lord's nearness and presence and power and mm-hmm. love, um, everything else was like straw to him. Right. So uh, a holy, he, he, he's canonized not because of his brilliance. Right. He's canonized because of his holiness. Right. But he was brilliant. The other thing, the thing I want to share with that is apparently a lot of his writing was done by dictation. Oh, so he would. I didn't know have, you, that. have you heard this? I did not know. So, but here, here's the thing: he would. So, say the three of you. Yes, I, I'll be. Tom, no, we'll make Casey. We'll make Casey. Thomas. Casey's the brilliant so one. So, say Elise and it, Renee. You and I are 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 Casey's um, stenographers, scribes. scribes. He would dictate virtually, not, not literally simultaneously. You can't, but we'd be in a room. All right, Chris did it, and he'd tell me what to write, and then he'd go to Elise, then he'd go to you. Like we're in this. So he tells us what to write, and I start writing. And while I'm writing the thing I'm supposed to write, he like a completely different subject. Oh, completely different works. Oh, man. just he, he, he had oh the ability, God. like okay, on this I want you to write this, and now you write this, and you on different things. I mean, That's some serious multitasking brilliant, there. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant uh, man. But again, he's not canonized because of his brilliance. He's canonized because of his holiness. And I believe there weren't any miracles for his canonization. So Is you, that right? You, you, I know beforehand there, you'd ask that. There's something about that. I, I, that I had, I've never heard before. Okay. Uh, there have been miracles uh, through, uh, because I'm of sure, his intercession. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the modern process that we have has been developed over the course of several right. centuries. Right. So it might be at the time... Um, that he was canonized, it wasn't the way it is today. Right, right. But I, I'd never heard that yeah. uh, before, to be honest. So Thomas is called, um, uh, he's got a couple titles, the common doctor of the okay. church. So That's doctor of the church, right. in, in, in the context of the church. I have a doctor in theology, but I'm not a, a doctor of the church. <laughs> You're not Aquinas. Or Therese of the Sioux or Catherine of Siena or the other 36-ish people mm-hmm. who are doctors of the church, who by their teaching and by their lives are preeminent teachers of what it means to be Christian, what it means to be Catholic. That's, right. what, that's what a doctor of the church is. Right. 
Thomas is called the common doctor because uh, his holiness, but also his thought in right. this case, uh, is so all-encompassing. It's not that, it, that we all have to be Thomistic in our theology or mm-hmm. philosophy, but that the way that he went about it, where he married faith and reason mm-hmm. so beautifully, and he would draw on the best of any tradition, right. um, there's something where he is the common doctor for all of us, not just for Dominicans, right. not just for Thomists, but for everybody. He's also called the angelic doctor. Oh yeah, because of the heights of oh, his thinking okay. um, and his clarity of thought and and right. teaching as well. And he was very um, influenced by Aristotle. So right? he's uh, yeah. yeah. So uh, Saint Thomas and there are different there there are arguments among yes. Thomas actually, but he would bring Greek philosophy, right. especially Aristotle. So Aristotle had sort of been newly discovered mm-hmm. at this point in church history. Um, so uh, a lot of people were entranced with Aristotle. So so Saint Thomas definitely used Aristotle's philosophical insights uh, to make the case and expand and elaborate on Christianity. Right. Um, and and yet he recognized where Aristotle got things right, wrong right. as well. This is actually something that Casey and I had talked about yesterday was kind of his fusion of the yeah. reason and faith. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So um, just trying to see what else we wanted to... Oh, okay. So he talked about several things regarding social justice, the common good. So we get a lot of our foundational beliefs uh, in the church from Aquinas's. Yeah, writings, and I, I, right? then that's where I'd, I tweaked that. I, I, I know what you're saying, but okay. the, the theologian in me, let's, let's make some distinctions here. Thomas is a great teacher of the faith. Okay. So um, he took what was, what was what came before him and he was able to unpack and explain in a greater okay. way. So... Everything we believe comes from our Lord, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's where my my I, I oh, tweak sure, what you're sure. saying slightly. Yeah. Everything we believe comes from Jesus Christ through the church, so scripture and tradition mm-hmm. and so on. What Thomas uh, was so brilliant at as a teacher, as a theologian, was sort of explaining in 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 uh, in a greater way the implications, connecting dots. Right. So yeah, there's a lot of things, uh, a lot of things that the way that we talk about things today is due to St. Thomas. Sure. Um, he didn't invent the teaching. Right, right. But he 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 gave a way of explaining a teaching that we, okay, that explanation makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. So we believe the doctrine, yep. it comes from God, mm-hmm. but how do we understand and explain the doctrine to others? Right. Well, that depends on all sorts of people throughout history. Right. So it comes from God, how, we, how do we unpack and explain it? Somebody like St. Thomas has been hugely influential in all sorts of areas. So you, you touched on a couple right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, justice, in light of the way that Aristotle talked about the virtues, including justice. Mm-hmm. Thomas takes that, takes what we know from scripture, uh, and he's able to really unpack and, and deepen our understanding of this doctrine sure. that was given to us. Yeah, yeah and he had a lot uh, to say about the moral life, too. Yeah, and he had a lot to say yeah. about almost everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> almost everything. Okay, so uh, we're we're talking uh, with Chris Bergwald and Casey Bassett about uh, Thomas Aquinas today. So, Casey, will you tell us about when you first yeah. Ran into Aquinas. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I met him way back in 1226. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. just a baby. <laughs> no, I, uh, so I left high school. I went to seminary uh, out at University of St. Thomas, uh, ironically. And uh, when I was there, of course, you're exposed to Aquinas, you know, your first year, which is also where I ironically picked up this bad habit of calling him Aquinas, not Aquinas, which I <laughs> tend to do. So forgive me. I'm working on it. It's a work in progress. Um 
Anyway, while I was out there, so we had a fir- my first first 101 theology class. I uh, one of the first weeks we studied the his arguments for the existence of God, mm-hmm. which are kind of fundamental um, and uh, really still applicable. I think maybe not so much in the scientific realm, but in the realm of understanding um, why things are and the like the unempirical, mm-hmm. uh, you know, cause and effect, motion, and that sort of thing. That you know, really science sort of can't like test. Mm-hmm. But St. Thomas was able to kind of fuse those two together and say, hey, look, this is reasonable to believe in God. Right. You can see it all around us. Right. Um, so that was my first experience with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, you know, I left seminary uh, and I went, I studied philosophy after that. And I finished out my philosophy degree. I didn't study philosophy in a department that was um, conducive to studying Thomistic philosophy. Sure. I want to put sure. it that way. <laughs> uh, it was more postmodern and modern philosophy. Sure. So I... Did I get the exposure that I really wanted? No, um, mm-hmm. but I did read on my own and mm-hmm. I, and I kind of brought some of the Thomistic influence in that I had the little that I had into that department. I mm-hmm. maybe made some, some heads turn a little bit, but anyway, so after I graduated from philosophy, I, I, my continued interest in St. Thomas, uh, has, has never waned, uh, even though I'm not a Thomistic scholar or a philo- <laughs> really a, I mean, I'm not even really a philosopher. I, uh, I have a bachelor degree in philosophy, but I, I didn't go beyond that. And I'm not a theologian either. So what business do I have reading St. Thomas Aquinas? Um, which is which is something that I think people struggle with sometimes right. because St. Thomas can be, if you, if somebody, if, if so, a guy like me or somebody in a, you know, just a, an everyday job, not a theologian, not a philosopher, picked up the Summa and opened up the page, they might be taken aback <laughs> by, by how it's written. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's written very analytically. Okay. But it's also the language that's used in the translation is it can be a little high, mm-hmm. and the sentence structure can be um, a little tough to read. Sure. So for me, if I'm going to pick up the Summa, it it takes me a long time to get through one page. Sure. Just I have to wow. read it and read it and think about it because he's so his his mind is so up here that you really have to like bring in everything to to kind of connect it together, yeah. and it all connects, which is what's fat, which is what's fun to read. Right. Right. It's what when when it all clicks for you. It's like, oh, wow, this all, everything's connected. Mm-hmm. So I uh, explored, so my recommendation, because I think it's important for guys, for, for everybody, for all Catholics to read Aquinas, and you're exposed to him whether you want to be or not. If yep. you've read any catechism, <laughs> yep. you're, you're generally, you've read some of St. Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are writers out there who have brought the language of the Summa and Thomistic spirituality down to a level that is easy to read. Mm-hmm. Peter Kreeft is one of these people that I, okay. that comes to mind. Okay. His books are um, are very easy to read. And one of the important things for me as a father to explain the faith to my children, because there, there's going to be questions that come up that kids have, like, what are feelings? What is a thought? Oh. What is, uh, why do I feel this way? Uh, what is it, is, is a feeling a sin? Do I sin when I feel, oh. do, I, do I sin when I remember stuff that's a sin? Oh, Those yeah. sort of questions can be answered. They were, fundamentally answered by St. Thomas Aquinas. Mm-hmm. The answer was always there, right? right. This is what doc, Dr. Bergwell said. Mm-hmm. But St. Thomas brought it all together and made it all one cohesive fundamental thing mm-hmm. uh, that that is uh, absolutely amazing to read, amazing. To, it'll change your life. As a, as a Catholic, it'll change your life. Mm-hmm. It'll change the way you think about the world. It'll change the way that you evangelize. It'll change the way that you talk to your children, mm-hmm. that you explain the faith to them. Um, yeah, because those questions are going to come up, right? What's a feeling? I mean, how, yeah, how, how do does a father that? explain what a feeling is? <laughs> yeah. Well, the Catholic Church has an answer for what a feeling is. Right. Uh, and, and Catholics should know that. Right. Catholic parents should know that. Yeah. A feeling isn't just some willy-nilly thing out here. 
it, it, there is an explanation and it, it's, it's integrated into the human person. Right. Yeah, every every time uh, Aquinas comes up around Casey, you can just see he just lights up and he's like, "That's like that's my guy there." <laughs> uh, so for you, it's you really think it's important for men and husbands and fathers. It is to, to, to explain the faith. I mean, if you want to be primarily first set on fire for the faith mm-hmm. and have a deep knowledge and passion for the faith, and then and then pass that on to your children, you're going to have to be able to answer these questions that come up. Mm-hmm. You're the primary catechetical educator for your children. You can't rely on somebody else to do this, right? So take the steps that you need to take. There are books out there. There are resources. And with the internet now, I mean, come on. You, you want to <laughs> listen to a podcast or watch a video, you don't want to read. There are tons of resources out there on Aquinas, mm-hmm. on his writings, on his, on his structure of the whole world uh, through the Catholic lens that, that will, el- that will in- just change your life incredibly. And it'll make you such, so much more better as a Catholic, as a Catholic parent. Your own faith will be alive. Your children's faith will, will hopefully flourish, God mm-hmm. willing. So, I mean, it's important. That, that's a thank you, Casey. That's really <laughs> great. So, Bergwald, do you know specific books by Peter Kreeft? Um, I was hoping you might. He's got a summa of the summa. So, summa of the summa. A summa of the summa. He's got. <laughs> don't be intimidated. So, the, because again, the Summa Theologiae is a massive right. work. It's usually it's usually published in multiple. Yeah, I was gonna volumes. say you have that in your office, don't you, Casey? It is, yeah, yeah, it's like five or six books or yeah, something like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So what what Crave does is he takes what he would consider. So I, I want he wants to give a condensed version to give you a taste, mm-hmm. a sampling, uh, an appetizer, if you will, or an entry point into the whole thing. Right. So he condenses. He, he chooses uh, several of what he would consider the most important and illuminating mm-hmm. um, topics that Thomas addresses, uh, articles, questions. Right. Uh, and then he comments on them. Okay. So Assuma the Summa is one. He also has a book, uh, the one in spiritual theology, handbook or introduction. Yeah, the handbook, spiritual theology. Uh, Handbook to Christian Apologetics no, that, that, is one. That one. That's a different one? That's a different one. Yeah, okay. Which is also great, but that's not yeah. an ex- introduction into Thomas. He's got a book on Thomas's spiritual theology because okay. I think most people don't, again, he's a brilliant theologian, but in our day and age, when we hear brilliant theologian, we tend to academicize that to make up a okay. word and make it just very <laughs> classroomy. Right. Uh, a theologian ought to be a deeply praying, a theologian ought to be a saint. Right. Which St. Right. Thomas is. Right. So he's got all sorts of a wealth of knowledge uh, in addition to everything that Casey very passionately said yes, earlier I know. Uh, on, 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 on how to pray and what it means to be a praying person right. and what it means to how to foster the spiritual life. Yeah. And so Kraft has, I just can't remember the title of it right now. If you okay. if you do a, a internet search for Peter Kraft, you Thomas Aquinas, yeah. uh, you'll find it. And he has other books on Thomas as well, but those yeah. would be a couple ones to start with. Okay. I know we're, we're like out of time, but I didn't get to ask you and we're just taking it out of your time on the front end anyway that's right so um, how has Thomas Aquinas affected you so uh, I belatedly chose after this is that you can't really do this but after I was confirmed I actually later made my confirmation saint you swapped out the original one when I was confirmed I was Christopher you are confirmed or whatever the the, um, my priest said he was delegated by his bishop long story but but I sort of adopted Thomas Aquinas because of his marriage of faith and reason in my reversion because how do we know God exists 
I checked the Summa out from mm-hmm. the University of Minnesota Library, all three versions, totally <laughs> because I didn't have at that point in my academic career what Casey got right off the, just off the bat, mm-hmm. a little bit of introduction, how to. I was totally confused. I mean, right. I'm a, I, I was a smart guy yep. at the time, <laughs> but I have no, accidents. Like that's when I trip and fall. I accrued a $30, 30 bucks in late fiat fines because it sat by my bed. I, mean, I have no idea what this means, but I want to keep it here because I should understand it and read it sometime. And so Thomas, so Thomas, and he's always been one of the, the saints that I go to, especially as my life has unfolded the way it has in terms of what I do for, for uh, my day to day life, but also because he is holy. He knows right. the Lord. Right. Uh, so Thomas also has been uh, very important to me. I'm really glad I had you guys come in and talk about this. It illuminated St. Thomas Aquinas a bit for all of us, I hope. So thanks for coming in. You bet. All right. You can always find us at sfcatholic.org anytime to uh, find out what's going on at the diocese. Uh, You can listen to Bishop's homilies anytime or find these podcasts there as well. That's it for us today. Hope you'll join us again next week for more Catholic Views.